If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1, and uh, we're so thrilled to gather together at, uh, uh, as First Norfolk at two different locations, First Norfolk on Kempsville, First Norfolk on Volvo, and it's always an exciting time to see how that God uh, combines the journey of uh, these two locations to accomplish His purposes. Uh, this past week, we were celebrating together uh, how that Tim and Megan Whitney have come to join uh, this journey with us, and we celebrate that and continue to celebrate that as God uh, uh, marks uh, even greater days for First Norfolk uh, as we pursue His glory and as He continues to add uh, to um, our team uh, those whom He is calling. We're also excited about uh, what uh, God is doing to... Uh, to to advance his kingdom through uh, the staff and team that have been here, uh, but uh, always we celebrate these new folks that come. Seth Peterson is our student pastor. Uh, this past week on Wednesday night, we saw uh, one of the students come to faith in Jesus Christ, and so we celebrate that, and uh, we celebrate that. Uh, imagine you're in heaven. All the angels are rejoicing. We celebrate that. Okay. <clears throat> Well, uh, we are thrilled what God is doing. As a church, we're on this journey looking for peace. One of the avenues that help us, helps us get to peace is uh, prayer, um, praying together, uh, praying in unison, praying as a body of believers. So at 1 o'clock for one minute, we're going to pray for one thing. And we've been doing this uh, week after week, month after month, almost for a year where we've been praying one o'clock for one thing for one minute. This week, I want you to pray. Join me and us together praying. Oh, God, show me how to bless the one that you put in my life. You remember the one is that person that we believe is far from God. God is going to use us in 2019 to show them the good news of his great love brought to him through Jesus Christ. And so, will you join in praying? Now, look, you can pretend like you're religious and spiritual and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't, faith must have feet that move. And one of the ways that we move our feet is to pray specifically, not just for the hurts in our life, although that's part of it, but praying for, oh God, how can I advance your fame? How can I share your glory with others? How can I make a difference in the life of the one that you put in me, in my, in my sphere of influence? So let's pray. One o'clock, one thing uh, for one minute. Oh, God, show me how to bless the one in my life. Uh, we're also memorizing Scripture. So a pathway to peace that we're looking for, help, we, we get there through prayer, but also memorizing Scripture. Scripture memory is a powerful uh, instrument. It is a biblical instrument that God gives the church to grow. If you want to grow, then you've got to take God's Word and plant it in your heart. And so we memorized Scripture together. Last week, we looked at Mark chapter 12. Uh, most of you probably got at least 29 and 30, uh, or 30 and 31, but, but that verse 28 was a kicker. Uh, if you've been, uh, that was a little bit hard. Uh, but if you remember, Jesus gave the greatest commandment. This is the bulk of the passage. Uh, Jesus answered and said to him, the greatest of all commandments is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. 
Uh, and the second commandment like to it, likened to it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There, are no, uh, there is no other commandment greater than these. All right? And so that, that's what we memorized together last week. This week we're doing Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Uh, now this is a passage, you might not know it, but you have talked about this passage before. If you've been in the church or you're, even if you look at memes on social media, you have seen a reference to this verse, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but next week we'll say it together. Um, and this is one of those verses that you may not know that you know, but you know it. And, and it will become familiar to, do, to you. So, so look at Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. Memorize that passage this week, and it will be an encouragement to your heart and an inspiration to your soul as you seek to live for God's fame in the days ahead. All right. Luke chapter 1, we're talking about peace. Um, and as we look at Luke chapter 1, if I give you the context here, here is a guy named Zacharias. Zacharias is the father to John the Baptist. When uh, the angel told Elizabeth that she, uh, that's Zacharias' wife, the mother of John the Baptist, when the angel said to Elizabeth, you're going to have a baby, Zacharias uh, didn't hardly believe it. And he said, give me a sign. And so God gave him a sign and made it so he could not talk. And, uh, and that was a powerful sign. Zacharias immediately understood that God was doing something. Uh, but for the next uh, moments and months, uh, Zacharias could not talk. Now, Zacharias was a priest, so he made his living by yeah, talking. He did a lot of talking. So here, for several weeks and months, he couldn't do what he was uh, re- regularly doing, which was speak to the people in the synagogue. So uh, it, it led to a, a season of great reflection on his part. And as he began to pray and earnestly seek the Lord during this interim time where he couldn't talk, uh, God began to show him again and again and again how that, that it is the perfect plan that God had made from the very beginning of time that he would orchestrate world events to this moment in time where John the Baptist the heralder, the trailblazer for the Messiah would be born. And then Jesus, the Messiah, was going to be born. And the world would change because of it. You will change. I have been changed because of it. So Zechariah comes and he begins to, uh, to, to, to preach uh, once uh, John the Baptist is born, everything changes. His mouth opens and he begins to praise the Lord. I want you to look at uh, chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 67. I want us to read this passage. The message today, by the way, can I just tell you, the message today is real simple. Uh, you could have picked this out yourself probably. Um, it, I'm not here to try to impress you with my intellect, although sometimes I think I'm kind of smart. But that's pride, and so God puts that down. So God forgive me for that prideful statement. Uh, but but uh, I'm not here to try to make you think I'm smart or spiritual or uh, uh, cool or a great speaker. That's not my job. Um, my job is to take the Word of God, open the Word of God so that you can hear the Word of God, so that your life can be transformed to become more like Jesus, and so that you can serve God's glory uh, seven days a week. That's my job. And that's a pretty heavy task, okay? Uh, so uh, today's message is real simple. Uh, and it's, it, 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 it comes from this song 
that Zechariah preached. So if you're looking for intricacies in theological erudition, uh, you're not going to find it today, although everything I say is going to be deeply theological. Okay? I just thought I'd throw in some smart words. All right? Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 67. Now, uh, John the Baptist's father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. All right, so underline visited and underline redeemed. Visited means that, that Zacharias now understands that God is doing something amazing, that God is engaging his people, his, 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 his people Israel, in a way that he had not done before. In fact, uh, Zacharias is going to say that God is visiting them uh, for the purpose of saving them, rescuing them, okay, and, and, and leading them on a path toward peace. But, but here he says God is visiting, and today, I want you to hear this, today God is visiting you and me here and now. This is what he's doing as we open his word. He's visiting us today. Let's not treat this moment with neglect or contempt, understanding that this is what praise songs are written about, that when the people of God gather together and open the word of God, God is visiting us right here, right now. And it's not just some intellectual or emotional pursuit, but rather it is for the purpose to redeem us. All right? So, so in, in that verse, I want you to see it. And you're going to get a whole lot of this. So just get your pen in hand. I'm going to tell you to underline about 20 different words. Um, but he has visited us. That's what he's doing to us right now. But in a special way, he did it uh, through the coming of the Messiah, Jesus. And Jesus is coming to redeem us. In the same way that when we open God's word, right here, right now, God is speaking. He's visiting to us today through his word so that he might redeem us through the son. Rescue. Redeem there is rescue. So we're not talking about some intellectual journey that we're on today. We're talking about a concrete act of the living, loving God towards sinners like you and me who need to be rescued who need to be brought out of the chains of bondage that our sin has created. Okay? So, so this is real life, real time kind of work that God is doing. Not only for Zacharias, but also for us because of Jesus Christ and the work of his spirit. All right? So the blessed is the Lord God. He's visited us. He's redeemed his people. He's raised up a horn of his salvation for us. Now, uh, the horn of salvation, that is Jesus. You can put that in the margin. Underline horn of salvation equals Jesus. The horn is the strength of the animal. Uh, so the picture here, the metaphor is that God has raised up the strength of salvation. The strength of salvation is the Messiah, Jesus, who would come and die on cross for sinners like you and me, be raised from the dead to kill death, hell, and the grave so that we, through faith in him, might live freed. Okay? So pardon is going to produce peace. The pardon that Jesus accomplished on the cross is going to produce the peace that we long to have. Does that make sense? So uh, he says, uh, God has raised up a horn of salvation and for us. I just settle in on that one for a second. For us. And Zechariah was certainly talking about his tribe, but for us who are readers of God's word today, understand that for us is for us. 
for us. Salvation for you, for me. Not because you deserve it. By the way, you don't. Neither do I. None of us deserve the salvation that God purchases. But that's what God's grace is all about. And looking upon us, not because we're in a Baptist church or because we have a Baptist flavor or because we're Christian or because we're Episcopal or non-denominational or because we're spiritual. None of those things get us, gain us any merit in the sight of the living God. But God in His grace, because we're sinners, sends the horn of His salvation for us to rescue us. That ought to give us some peace. And he raised up the horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began that we should, underline it, be saved. That we should be saved from the hands of our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Verse 72, to show mercy promised to our fathers. Now, underline mercy and, and maybe in a parenthesis, you might want to write loyal love. Or in another parenthesis, you might want to write chesed, C-H-E-S-E-D. That's the Old Testament term for the loyal, faithful, covenant love of God. And that's what he's talking about here. And when he's talking about mercy, he's talking about the, the never-failing love of God that God commits to his people, that he commits to the for us. All right? So, so here he's talking about this love. Oh, keep on, keep on, keep on. Uh, to show mercy, promise to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, verse 74, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. Underline, serve. Can I tell you, we have been saved not just so that we can be happy, happy, happy in the salvation, but we have been saved so that we might serve. Serve. Oh, please hear this, church. We have been saved to serve. Not to sit and soak, but to serve. And I would contend that one of the reasons why so many believers lack peace in their everyday life is because they have been saved, but they refuse to serve. Zechariah says that, that uh, in verse 74, to grant us. Now, this is what he says. The Messiah has come to show God's love, but also so that we might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. From now until the day you draw your last breath, you should serve the Lord. And that is a pathway to peace. You get that? I mean, I just, I, I'm here to tell you the truth, and this is the truth. One of the reasons why so many churches lack peace is because we got so many people who are soakers and not servers. This is our calling. Okay? This is our vocation. This is our identity. This is the same word to serve here in verse 74. It's the same word that we find in Romans chapter 12 where Paul writes, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. By the mercies of God, present yourselves a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service of worship. 
That service of worship is the same word we find in verse 74. We're supposed to lay ourselves out for the glory of God in service to him. And that's not even the sermon. That's, I mean, I'm taking time off the talk, right? I mean, I mean I'm, just, I'm just going off in a different direction. All right, now, verse 75, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Verse 76, now, what Zechariah does in verse 76 is he turns his attention from praising God for the Messiah, Jesus, who is coming, to now turning his attention to John the Baptist, his son. That's why he says, and you, my child, right? He's talking to the baby in his arms at this point, all right? So, so verse 76, he changes direction. He says, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. And here's what John the Baptist is supposed to do to give the knowledge of salvation to his people. And what does that salvation consist of? The forgiveness or remission of sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. To guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, my prayer is today that, that somehow, by the Spirit of God, speaking through the Word of God, your feet, my feet, our feet might be guided toward the way or the path of peace. And it's not a complicated message, and the main point is real simple. It is that God offers perfect peace through Jesus. I've got to tell you, this is what we've got to cling to. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've got to cling to this. Because in the deepest valleys and the darkest nights, you see there in verse 70. Uh, Verse 78, uh, where he says, uh, Through the tender mercy of God with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light, verse 79, to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death. He's saying, hey, listen, there are people who need peace. We all need peace. We've all been swallowed up in the shade and the darkness. We've all had the cacophony of chaos swirl around us and, and, and clang in our soul. We need peace. Oh, we, we read the headlines and, and, and we, we see the need for peace in our larger world. But friends, can I talk about the peace we need in this community? This body of believers in our life, in our every day? See, we don't need the Mueller report to tell us that we've got problems in our own life. We've got the problems that we wake up every, to every day. As sure as the tide kisses the sand of the seashore, so will troubles Kiss our soul each day. We know we've got troubles, and those troubles can rob us of peace, a life of fullness and wholeness and well-being. But here's the promise. Even in the face of the darkest night, the day spring has come. This is Jesus the Messiah. He has come, and even in the details of the darkest night of your personal experience, Jesus has come to dispel the darkness and to lead us in that moment, at that time, to life. He is our peace. He is our peace because Jesus rescues us. Jesus rescues us. Again, I told you, this is not a complex message. But I, I just uh, highlight again what, what, what Zechariah said. He's blessing the Lord because the Lord has visited, redeemed. That's a word of rescue. He's raised up the horn of salvation. Salvation is the word of rescue uh, of his servant, David. And uh, uh, goes on and, and uh, verse uh, 
uh, 77, give knowledge of salvation, their salvation again, remission of sin, forgiveness of sin, talking about rescue. This is what the day spring does in verse 78. The day spring comes to rescue his people. This, This whole song is about how God's rescue has come. And that rescue has a name, and that rescue's name is Jesus. Um, to paint the picture of this passage, I, I, I've got two images that, uh, that I want to use. Uh, the first is a rope. Now, a rope, um, you go to any of my offices, uh, any, any cubicle that I have, I have a rope there. And somebody asks me, well, why do you have a rope? Well, because I can illustrate almost anything with a rope. And so I've got this rope, um, and, and what we find, the picture of the passage, is that um, we have a life, a soul, um, a circumstance that is a tangled mess. And the reason it's a tangled mess is not because, um, not just because our circumstances stink, although uh, stinking circumstances can certainly tangle us up, but the passage speaks to us first and foremost about a tangled life because of the sin that we have. Do you realize that your sin creates a knot that you can't untangle? It creates a dilemma, a problem that you can't fix. You can't change it. You can't make it better. You're stuck. You are stuck in a Gordian knot that is spiritual, physical, emotional, everything. And I would contend everything in my life that has gone bad, it's gone bad either because of my sin or somebody else's sin, but mostly my sin. Sometimes it's somebody else's sin. That's where we get bad circumstances. But, but most of the time, it's my sin. Can I tell you that I get in trouble with my mama and my daddy when I lie to them? Nobody made me lie to them. I chose to lie to them. I get in trouble with the law when I steal a piece of bubble gum. I don't know if you can do that anymore, but steal. You remember those old little uh, two-cent pieces of bubble gum? When you go there and you grab a handful and you stuff them in your pocket and you walk out, you get in trouble with the law. Nobody made you steal that bubble gum. You did it yourself. And those are the circumstances created by my sin. More importantly, the passage speaks to us about the Gordian knot of our sin. Um, And no matter how much you try to be religious or moral or Baptist enough to get out of the fix that your sin has created, your sin will forever separate you from a holy God. And no amount of religious effort is going to somehow make it better for you. You can't make it better. Once you've sinned, and that's all of us, by the way, in case you didn't know. I'm going to tangle myself up. I'm not going to know how to get out. Uh, Once you've sinned, there's absolutely no way you can make up for that sin. You're stuck. You're in bondage. You're in chains. And this is the way we live our life. And this is a frustrating way to live our life. But we live our life like this, unable to move, unable to be free because our sin has separated us from God. And so the promise of this passage is that God has visited us and redeemed us. What does that mean? It means that he has sent the horn of his salvation, Jesus to rescue us from our sin. He has sent the day spring to dispel the darkness that my sin has created. I can't fix the mess I'm in. I am a tangled up mess of a man because of my sin. But Jesus has come to rescue me. Jesus has come to set me free. And through his death on the cross. And by the way, Jesus waded through 
blood and wrath to bring forgiveness of sin to you and me. And Jesus hung upon a cross and died the death that I deserved. He took my place and died for my sin so that through faith in him, I could be set free so that the knot could be undone. I can't untangle the Gordian knot of, that my sin has created, but Jesus has come to do the miraculous thing on my behalf. He died on a cross to forgive my sin. He was raised from the dead to give me a new life so that when I, when you, when we repent our sin and place our faith in Jesus, he forgives us forever. He justifies us, makes us right with God. He brings us into the very family of God. He untangles the knot that has tied us and bound us into frustration and a lack of peace, and he sets us free. This is what Jesus offers. Jesus rescues us. So as we look at our life today, a life of peace is a life that's characterized by rescue. Jesus has rescued us, and he's rescued us not only from sin, but also from circumstance. And I won't get into this too much, but can I tell you that Jesus his work of rescuing love continues today for every follower of Jesus so that he is continually working for us toward victory, to, to triumph in life, even in the face of difficulty, even when the, uh, the, the valleys are really low and the mountains aren't very high, even in those most difficult moments emotionally or spiritually, even physically, even facing even facing the trauma and the tragedy of some of the prayer requests that I got this week. Can I just read a couple of them? And, 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 and just, I, I want to share with you, uh, please pray for me to heal from, uh, he fell. And, and, but for a boy that is about eight years old, not being able to walk because he hurt his leg, that, that's traumatic. Don't, don't know if you knew that, but it, anyway, that, that's one of the prayers. Uh, pray for someone in this room has a little baby, and they got word that because of an illness in this baby, the doctors are saying that baby might not live for four, uh, past the age of four. We need peace. It's, it's uh, uh, two friends that have wandered away from God, and, and I'm worried about them. It's, it's a family, a faithful family uh, of uh, followers of Jesus Christ who, who love him, they have a friend at work. And that, that friend is, is struggling on what to do about a major life decision that has to do with a newborn baby, whether to keep it or not. That's, that's a struggle. We need peace. Can I share this one with four words? that I think most of us will understand very clearly. Pray for my marriage. We need peace, right? Um, pray, pray for my cousin uh, who roams around homeless a lot of the time. Don't know where he is. Don't know if he loves the Lord. Don't, don't know if he knows the Lord. Pray, pray for his salvation. A loved one, you don't even know where they are because they're just wandering around. And, and, then, and, and then it's not, it's not mundane, it's real life. I want you to hear this. I, I, 
Father, I pray before you and ask, help me make good decisions. Isn't that getting to the very heart of, of, of our desire to, to, to have make good decisions? Jesus, come rescue me and show me the path toward peace, making good decisions. Please help me find a position, a workplace, where I am valued and respected, that utilizes my skills and abilities, that is for the betterment of all, and it has a meaningful mission. I like that prayer. In order to find peace, we need God to direct our steps. And, and can I tell you, in the midst of everything that we face, that, that we can trust that Jesus has rescued us, he's rescuing us, he's leading us to victory because, listen, the enemy may, may invade our palace, but the enemy can never invade our peace because our peace is tied to a person. His name is Jesus, and he is the victor over all things. So as we're traveling through and as Jesus has rescued us from the, from the embrace of sin and, and, and many of you are here today and you have yet to entrust your life to Jesus in a, in a life-changing way. You, you may be religious, but you have not been changed, transformed by God's grace through faith in Christ. Can I tell you, there's not going to have any peace in your life until you do that. Today's the day for you to choose Christ, to repent your sin and place your faith in Jesus be forgiven forever for your sin, to be brought into the family of God. This is your moment. This is your day because Jesus rescues us. But, but even as he's rescuing us, he hears the prayers of his people, and Jesus makes us safe. Jesus makes us safe. Now, this is what we get a hint at in, in verse 74. So in, in verse in verse 68, 69, 70, and 71, Zechariah is saying that God sent Jesus to save us, to rescue us. Now, the outwork of that, in verse 72, he says, to show mercy, promised to our forefathers, to show mercy. So the result or the purpose of the salvation is to show mercy to us. Now, that mercy is not just uh, I feel bad for you because you're going through a bad thing. It's not just I'm going to do good for you because you're doing a bad thing or, or going through a bad thing. Mercy here is uh, pointing back to the loyal, faithful, never fading, never failing, always abounding love of God that we have in the Old Testament. That term mercy is saying God wants to unload his love on you. So here's the work of Jesus, okay? So here's what the, the work of Jesus is. Not only does he undo the Gordian knot of our sin, but then he takes God's love and he wraps us up in that love and he holds us close and he keeps us safe and secure. If you've ever had a newborn baby, you know that one of the things that you're supposed to do is swaddle them. You swaddle a newborn baby because, and that's where you take a blanket and you wrap it tightly against that, that baby's uh, body, even pinning the arms to uh, the, the, their waist so that they feel secure. That's what a swaddled baby feels, security, safe. What Jesus has done and is doing to show mercy, he's taking us. 
And he's swaddling us in the very love of God so that no matter what is going on around us, no matter how the storm is raging outside, we are safe in the arms of the Father's love. This is the picture of peace that God has promised to us through Jesus when we wake up in the morning and we, we greet each day, not with despair over the darkness that swallows swirls around us, but we greet each day surrendered to Jesus saying, oh, will you take me again into the arms of my Father's love? Oh, will you swaddle me again? See, my question is, are you living a swaddled kind of life? A life that is swaddled up in the, in the love of God rather than swallowed up in the pain of your circumstance? Are you racing into the arms of the Father? Because please understand, it is the comfort of the Father's love that gives us security in the face of everything that swirls around us no matter what. It is the love of God, according to Romans chapter 8, it is the love of God that makes us more than conquerors. You want to live in victory, then you need to be immersed, swaddled in the love of God. It is the love of God that, that is bigger and stronger and more powerful than anything that we might face. And it's the love of God. It's the love of God that sings that sweet, soft-sounding lullaby to our soul when we're most in need. It's the love of God that looks to us in our pain and our heartache and has just the right direction. It's the love of God that supernaturally brings us into the presence of another person who can hold our hand or hug our neck in the midst of our own tragedy. It is the love of God that swaddles us up and makes us safe and secure. Make no mistake, if the love of God is sufficient to conquer death, hell, and the grave, then the love of God is sufficient for your everyday circumstance. And Jesus rescues us, and Jesus keeps us safe in the love of God. Are you living a life that's been swaddled? Or are you living a life swallowed up by your own bitterness and despair? Friends, don't live that way. But once again, surrender yourself to Jesus. You see, that's really what it takes for us. For us to experience a swaddled life rather than a swallowed life, we need to surrender again to Jesus. We need to surrender to Him all the heartache and the pain, the circumstance, the confusion, the doubt, we need to lay it into his arms and let him take it. Be anxious for nothing but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Can I, can I just tell you that that's our choice. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. I'm going to talk to God about my hurt. I'm going to talk to God about the enemy knocking at my gate. 
I want to talk to God about the pain of my soul and the insecurity and the fears that I have. I want to talk to God about the darkness and the shade and the shadow that looms over me. I'm going to talk to God. And what is going to happen in the midst of that talking is Jesus is going to take me and he is going to wrap me up in the arms of the Father's love. He's going to hold me close. And he's going to sing that love song of the Father over me until I know it, believe it, and feel safe by it. Oh, friends, today, will you walk the path toward peace? It's walking toward Jesus and walking with Jesus. So what do we do? In these next few moments, what do we need to do? Well, first... I want to encourage you, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, today's the day for you to choose Christ. I'm not talking about being a religious person or a spiritual person. I'm not talking about being a Baptist person or a Catholic person or any other denominational flavor. I'm talking about there needs to be a transaction of God's grace that has taken place in your soul where you have given your sin whole hog to Jesus. He's taken it to the cross. He's died for you, for your sin on that, on that cross. You see his death on the cross as payment for your sin, and you receive the forgiveness that he has purchased on your behalf. By faith in Christ, you repent your sin, you trust in him, and in that transaction of God's grace, you are rescued. You look to his resurrection from the dead as the avenue for a new start, a fresh start, a new life. If you have not experienced that life transformation, I'm not talking about a religious decision. I'm talking about a life transformation where you have been brought into the very family of God and you know it. If that has not happened in your life, then today I invite you to come to Christ. As the Spirit of God works in your heart right now and is pleading with you, it's a plead, He's pleading with you to come to Christ. To choose Christ, to repent your sin, place your faith in Jesus. And in a few moments when we stand to sing, this altar is going to be open for you to come. And, and, and we want to sh- uh, talk to one of the ministers and we will share with you how that you repent and believe on Jesus and, and experience that, that wondrous new life. Having been justified by faith, you will have peace with God. So the very first thing that I would encourage you, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, to become a follower of Jesus today. The second thing that I would encourage is, if you are a follower of Christ, it's time to surrender. Stop striving. Surrender. Guys, listen. Life is hard. I know it. You're going through stuff that's hard. I get it. I know it. Hey, guess what? I'm there too. But as long as we fight and struggle against God, we're not going to be walking in the peace that Jesus has rescued us to experience. If we will surrender, if we will surrender the struggle, surrender the, the, the confusion, the doubt, the, the, uh, the difficulty, the chaos, if we'll, confu- if, if, we'll, if we'll surrender even the pain and the hurt, 
We give that to God through Christ. And we say, oh God, will you sing your love song over me? God, will you swaddle me in your love? Then we will experience the mercy, the steadfast, never failing, always abounding, always faithful love of God. And it will make us safe. And we will have peace. Well, it begins with surrender. Will you surrender? And then the third thing I would say is, not only should we choose Christ, we're not yet followers of Christ, but as followers of Christ, we should surrender to Christ. And as followers of Christ, the third thing, we need to serve him. Hey, listen, if all you're doing is sitting, you're not going to get the peace that Jesus rescued to have. Part of that peace comes through service. Are you serving him? Maybe you need to come to this altar and say, oh, God, how do you want me to serve you this week? Or, oh, God, how do you want me to serve you through this family of faith called First Norwich? Or, oh, God, I want to serve you this week by sharing uh, with my one how that they can find faith uh, in, in you, how that they can experience peace, or invite them to church, or, or, or just bless them. God, I want to serve you this week. I want to invite somebody to my life group. I, I want to serve you this week. I, I want to bring you glory this week. Oh, God, let me serve you. The more we serve him, the more we experience a swaddled kind of life, the more we surrender, the more we experience uh, the life that Jesus rescued us to have. So my challenge to us is, will you choose Christ? Will you surrender to Christ? Will you serve him?